Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Today we're going to continue our series on the book of Ephesians, and we're in Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 17 through 24. I want to ask a question of everybody in the room, and I want you to participate. How many of you today would be honest and say that um, you sometimes struggle with sin. If you do, would you raise your hand? My hand's raised. How many of you would say sometimes? I want you to look around. If there's somebody that does not have their hand raised, all right, they struggle with the sin of lying or the sin of pride, all right? All of us struggle with sin. Every single one of us struggle. In fact, Paul said this this way in Romans chapter 7, verse 21 and 24. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Have you ever felt that way? He said, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And we're going to look at the rest of that in just a moment. But I want to tell you, fighting sin is a lifelong battle. We don't get saved and then just overcome it. Wouldn't that be great? Just all of us are perfect saints. I don't know one of them yet. But as, for me, what I've discovered, as soon as I get one sin under control, crazy, another one pops up. Anybody know? I mean, it's like, I just got this one that I've been dealing with, and now another one pops up, and it's just kind of how it is. Well, this morning's message, I want it to be very practical. And I want to talk with you about how we can defeat sin in our life. And yes, I know that a majority of us in this room and those watching online, a majority of us have already said yes to Jesus. The majority of us here today, we're already Christians. But how many of you know sin is just, an issue, is just as much an issue for the Christian as it is for the sinner? Sin is a problem in the world, and sin is a problem in the church. In fact, I was actually reading some stats this week, and one of the stats said that divorce rate now is higher in the church than it is even in the world. And I'm just talking to you, just, we have been attacked in the church and in the world, dealing with issues, dealing with issues of the heart. Sin is rebellion against God. Here's the thing, I think, I think oftentimes we think that sin leads to happiness. Let me say this, sin might lead to happiness or satisfaction in a moment. There might be a moment when we commit a sin that it makes you feel it might bring pleasure for a moment. But the snare with sin is that it never satisfies. It always leaves us wanting more. It always leaves us craving something else. Proverbs chapter 5 tells us a story about a young man who's headed to a prostitute's house. And it shows us the consequences of sin. And, I thought, and you're saying, Pastor, I thought we were on the book of Ephesians. We are. I'm just setting up what we're going to talk about. But Proverbs chapter 5 says this, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Then you will show discernment and your lips will express what you've learned. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey and her mouth is smoother than oil. This is talking about there's a young man that's headed to see a prostitute. And there's an older man who's in essence observing this from a window and he sees the destruction that's coming this young man's way. And he's in essence trying to give some wisdom. And it says, but verse 4 says, but in the end, talking about this adulterous woman, really is talking about sin. 
In the end, she's as bitter as poison and as dangerous as a double-edged sword. But listen to verse 5. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. The Living Bible translates verse 4 this way, and it says, Afterwards. It said, but afterwards, only a bitter conscience is left of you. Afterwards is the key word here today. The results of sin are never as positive as promised. The results of sin are never as positive as promised. The result, sin leaves you looking for a higher high. But sin is so deeply woven into the fabric of our being at the beginning of time. From Adam and Eve, sin has become a part of mankind and it's so deeply woven into the fabric of who we are that, listen to me, you might think you're somebody special, but we cannot defeat sin on our own. I can't defeat sin just because I wake up one day and say, I want to over come this and sin is deeply woven into the fabric of our lives but listen to me the consequences of sin as proverbs chapter 5 tells us afterwards in the end it leads to physical and spiritual death just as romans tells us for the wages of sin is what that's death we can't defeat sin sin results in death but thank god He didn't leave us alone to try to defeat it by ourselves. We can defeat sin with Jesus. Look back at Romans chapter 7, verse 24, into verse 25. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. How do I defeat sin? Because I want to? No. How do I defeat sin? The answer is always Jesus. He's the answer. This is a message that I believe the church needs to hear today. Not just Destiny Church. I believe this is a message the church of Jesus needs to hear today. And I believe this could be a life-changing message for all of us who hear it and for all of us who embrace it. And so for the next few moments, what I want to do is I want to talk with you from Ephesians chapter 4 on how to live a victorious Christian life. The problem with living a victorious Christian life, the problem is always sin. But the answer is always Jesus. All right, let's pray. Hey, Jesus, I come before you and I ask in these next few moments, would you, would you speak to us today? Would you be here? Would you um, open up our hearts, open up our minds? Would you give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech? Would you speak to us today? Would you change us? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and let's look at that. We're going to pick it up in verse 17, and I'm going to read to verse 24. But it says this, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they've closed their mind and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and every practice and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So it's talking about sin here, right? But look at verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Jesus. Since you have heard about Him and have learned the truth that comes from Him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God 
truly righteous and holy. The first paragraph that we see here, verse 17 through 19, tells us the problem is always sin. Because remember, the first three chapters of Ephesians have been talking to us about what God has done for us because of Jesus. And it tells us who we are in Christ. And now Paul is beginning to give the church some practical instructions on how to live this out. But he's saying, hey, there's a problem with sin. It's going to hinder you in living out and walking this victorious Christian life. And he's saying, it's interesting to me, Paul's talking to the Gentiles, but he's saying, don't be like the Gentiles. That's who he's talking to. He's not talking to Jews here. He's talking to the Gentile church. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. This was, this, was not a, this was not a Jewish church. This was a Gentile body of believers. And so Paul's saying, hey, don't be like yourselves. Because when we're like ourselves, it begins to talk about sin. So the problem is sin. But the second paragraph, verse 20 through 24, begins to tell us the solution to our struggle with sin is always Jesus. And what I want to do today from the very beginning of this message, I actually want to take just a few seconds. And I want all of you to close your eyes. And I want you to think, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to just bring to your heart the one sin that you struggle with the most. I want you to think about that. And allow that to come to your mind. Don't fight it. Don't be like, no, not that one. He's going to quicken one. The Holy Spirit knows. And I want you to think of that one sin that you struggle with the most. All right? You can open your eyes. And what I want to do with is I want to help you deal with this one sin that you struggle with the most. <laughs> Some of you said, Pastor Chad, when I closed my eyes and you said, think about my one sin, I thought of 12. Well, you know, maybe, maybe he wants to deal with 12 with you. But no, for most of us, the Holy Spirit will quicken in us sin. He'll convict us, right? And he'll bring to mind, hey, that's sin. And so I want to deal with that issue today. It might be lying. It might be lust. It might be gossip. It might be gluttony. It might be greed. It might be porn. It might be a lack of patience. It might be apathy. It might be anger. Whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, I don't want you to try to push it aside and say, no, that's not it. I want you to listen today to what the Holy Spirit wants to try to teach you today. I don't know what your most pressing sin is. I know what mine is. I know what the Holy Spirit constantly deals with me on. And Ephesians chapter 4 talks to us about the seriousness of our sin and how it will destroy us, but it also gives us the answer, and the answer is Jesus. What I want to do today is I want to talk about two points. The problem is always sin, and the answer is always Jesus. But within those points, I want to ask you some questions. Actually, what I want to do is I want you to ask yourself some questions. So I want you to ask yourself some questions concerning sin. And we're going to find these questions right there in Ephesians. And at the end, I'm going to tell you the answer is Jesus, but I want you to ask yourself some questions concerning Jesus. So I'm going to give you five questions concerning sin and three questions that I want you to ask yourself concerning Jesus. All right, so number one, the problem is always sin. And the first question I want you to ask yourself today, we begin to see this question being posed to us really in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 but the question I want you to ask yourself today is sin warping my mind another way we could say it is sin messing with my thinking Ephesians 4 17 says this with the Lord's authority this is Paul speaking he said I say this live no longer as the Gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused their mind is warped 
their thinking is messed up. The message translation says it this way, and so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, the mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God. Listen, that they've not only lost touch with God, but they've lost touch with reality of itself, and they can't think straight anymore. So when we sin, when we allow sin to begin to control us, it warps our mind. Sin messes with our thinking. Sin begins to change our mindset. When we, when we begin to live in sin, we blatantly start to do things that are wrong, but our mind tells us it's not wrong. I want you to hear me. When, we, when we're wrestling with sin, and then we allow sin to begin to rule and reign in our heart and in our mind and our lives, we begin to tell ourselves, this is okay. This isn't a sin. I, I've seen people, I've seen married people do this. Um, they begin to justify flirting with someone other than their spouse. Well, my spouse just isn't meeting my needs anymore. And so in their mind, they know that like six weeks ago, they never would have flirted with that person. Why? Because their heart was in line with their spouse and with God. But when we allow sin to begin to come into us, we begin to justify and say, well, my spouse isn't meeting my needs. Or you just don't understand how harsh they are towards me. Or, Pastor, I'm just letting off some steam. Or, God, this isn't really no big deal. No, when we begin to allow sin to rule, it warps our mind and we begin to think sin is okay. Another way I've seen this is when people begin to sin and they realize they're sinning, their mind is so warped they begin to blame other people for their sin. We see that with Adam and Eve from the very beginning. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake. It's what we do. We blame each other. Well, the reason I eat so much, Pastor, the reason I'm a glutton is because of what they did to me. You don't understand. The reason I get so angry is because of them. No, we blame our sin on other people. The reason I'm apathetic in my faith is because my church isn't feeding me enough. And we blame others. I want you to ask yourself, am I blaming others for my sins? Is my thinking warped? The second question I want you to ask yourself is, is this one, and, I, and, and it's going to tie in real, real close to the first one, but I want to take it even a little bit deeper. We see it again in Ephesians 4, 17, but now we add in 18, is sin darkening my mind? Ephesians 4, 17 and 18, no longer live like the Gentiles do, then skip ahead to verse 18, because their minds are full of darkness. Their minds are full of of darkness. Like I said, this question that I want you to ask yourself is similar to the first one, but when Adam and Eve sinned, it plunged mankind from that point forward into spiritual darkness, and it created separation from God. Sin, and we're going to deal with this just in a moment, creates separation from God. Think of it this way. No one that's living in deep or, or another way we could say this is continual sin. All of us in this room struggle with sin. We raised our hands, but I'm not living in sin. Big majority of you aren't living in sin, but we're humans, and we're going to get angry sometimes and say things. Listen to me. It's not a sin to get angry. How do I know that? Well, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. So, I'm just, so just, I want you to hear, so don't think every time I get angry, it's a sin. No, there's, there's times anger rises up inside of me righteously or what's happening in our world, you know, but we can't sin in that. 
But what I'm saying is, I don't live in sin. The majority of you don't live in sin. But when we begin to give our minds over to deep or continual sin, and I, I, listen, I could stand up here and try, I, I even thought about it in the sermon. Do I just want to deal with deep sins? No. You know what your deep continual sin is. You know where you're living. I don't need to stand up here and start listing out sins. You know, that's, that's kind of how the church is. We, we would deal with our pet sins and other people are like sitting there innocent. No. You know, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. He's dealing with you what's wrong in your heart. But nobody that's living in deep or continual sin wakes up one day and says, I just want to live in continual sin. No, how it happens is we find ourselves committing a sin, and then it just goes further and further, and we find ourselves doing things we never thought we'd be doing. I've always said it this way. Sin takes you further than you want to go, and it keeps you longer than you want to stay. Sin takes you further than you want to go, and it keeps you longer than you want to stay. And we don't wake up one morning and think, I want to be living in deep, continual sin. But as we don't deal with sin, as we continue to let it rule in our lives, and we don't pursue the victorious Christian life that God has for us, we find that our mind begins to be darkened, and now we are justifying things that we used to say were sin, are now sin. Listen, another way we can say this, when you are living in deep, continual sin, soon what you used to consider sin, you now consider normal. Say it again. When you find yourself living in deep, continual sin, soon what you used to consider sin, you now consider normal behavior. Is sin darkening your mind? Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself, do I have some things in my mind and in my life that I know beyond the shadow of a doubt are sin, and I used to consider them sin, but now I justify them and call them normal? If so... You need to defeat that sin. The third question, another way, another way we say this before I even go on, sin begins to blur the line between right and wrong. Third question I want you to ask yourself this, is my sin separating me from God? Is my sin separating me from God? Ephesians 4.18, listen, they wander far from the life that God gives them because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They wander far from God. Why? Because of sin. Sin creates separation. When we sin, it creates separation between us and God, and it also creates separation between us and others. Sin makes us feel distant from God. When we sin, we tend to not want to read our Bibles. When we sin, we tend to not want to be around Christian people. When we sin, we tend to not want to go to church. When we sin, we tend to not want to pray. When we sin, we are just like Adam and Eve, and we tend to hide from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, it says before, just literally before it says they're naked and felt no shame, and then they commit sin, and their eyes are awakened, and it says, hey, we're naked and ashamed, and here comes God. Let's go hide from him. When we sin, it causes us to want to hide from God. When we sin, it creates separation. I once felt close. Listen to me. If you once felt close in your life to God and now you don't. Hello? We probably have some sin in our heart. Sin creates separation between us and God. Sin creates distance. Sin begins to harden my heart and, and separate me from the one I need to be the closest to. 
Sin creates separation. Ask yourself this morning, is my sin, remember that one sin that I asked you to think about this morning? Ask, we're just dealing with that one. Is that sin creating distance between me and God? If you're in here and you say, man, I used to, I used to worship so freely, but now I don't, is sin the cause? Has sin caused separation? The fourth question, continuing on with verse 18, is sin hardening my heart? Verse 18, they wander far from the life God gives them because they've closed their mind and they've hardened their hearts against God. Not only does sin create separation, not only does sin create distance, but sin hardens our heart towards God and towards others. Sin hardens our heart. Sin leaves us stubborn. Hello? Sin leaves us unrepentant. Sin leaves us where we won't listen to others. Christian friends come to us and they're like, man, I'm concerned about you. And we shut them down and we want to argue and we want to fight. Sin leaves us where we feel like we're untouchable or we're unreachable. Nothing, Nothing happens to us. Why? Because my heart is hardened. Sin leaves you to the place where not only you're not seeking forgiveness, sin leaves you where you won't forgive others. Why? Because your heart's hard. And you're justifying your sins, and you're living in sin, and you're staying in sin, and the Lord's trying to soften your heart. The Lord's trying to do something deep inside of you, but your heart is hardened, and you won't listen. And we're unrepentant, and we're untouchable, and that's not sin. And don't tell me that I'm doing something wrong, and get away from me, and I'm not going to forgive you. And that's what sin does. It hardens our heart, and it separates us from God. Ask yourself this morning, is the one sin? That the Holy Spirit brought to my mind, hardening my heart. Is the one sin that Holy Spirit brought to my heart, my mind, is it hardening my heart? Another question, and this is a big one, is sin causing me to lose control? Verse 19, this one says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Think about this. We don't, talk, we, we don't talk about this a whole lot in the church. The church today, we've kind of got away from talking about sin and the questions and the consequences of sin. And we want to have, you know, we want to we preach messages from feel-good books. No, we've got to deal with sin. And you have to ask yourself, is sin causing me to lose control? And Paul's talking to the church of Ephesus, but he's also talking to us, and he's asking us, is sin causing you to lose control? The key word here in verse 19 is this word sensuality. And when oftentimes when we hear this word sensuality, we think of sexual sins, right? Or we think of sexual things. That's not, Paul's maybe dealing with that, but that's not the only thing Paul's dealing with here. He says, they've given themselves over to sensuality, listen, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. You know, we're not just talking about sexual sin, and that's one thing we might want to preach about in church. But Paul's talking about all kinds of sin. He says, and they've given themselves, and they're full of greed. Listen to me. When we talk about, when I'm asking, are we controlled by sin, or sin controlling my actions, or have I lost control? I'm meaning, are we controlled by our lusts? Does greed control me? Do my desires for my fleshly desires, wants, and needs, is that what's controlling me? When we lose control of our sins, it means that we lose control of our thoughts, 
and our impulses. It's like we have no spiritual breaks in our lives. Today, you know, something will hit me and I'm like, no, I can't do that. And I stop and I turn and I run. That's what the Bible even tells us. Run from the very appearance of evil. Right? Is that what it says? All right? But when we begin to lose control, instead of run, forest, run, we run toward the sin. And it causes us to lose control of our actions and our impulses. It's, it's a little bit like that of a, of a hungry wolf. You see, you've heard the story of that hungry wolf that found a, a hunter's knife in a frozen forest and it had blood on it. And that wolf would begin to lick that blood, that frozen blood. But eventually the blood and everything was gone and now the only blood he's tasting is that of his own mouth. And that's what sin does to us. It causes us to lose control and we don't know that we're consuming ourselves. I love what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther called sin the ultimate form of cannibalism. He said this, sin causes you to consume yourself to death. Are you losing control of your actions because of sin? Here's the deal today. I don't know in this room watching online. I don't know what your number one sin is. I don't know if that sin has hardened your heart or caused you to lose control. I don't know if it's twisted your thinking or created distance. But here's what I want to challenge you with. Today, let's deal with that one sin. Let's defeat that one sin. Let's call sin, sin today. And let's don't hang on to it. And let's don't play with it. And let's don't be like that wolf that licks that frozen knife. Let's deal with sin. And let's give it to Jesus. Only Jesus can forgive your sin. Only Jesus can give you a brand new heart. Only Jesus can change your desires. Only Jesus can close that gap. Only Jesus can soften your heart. Only Jesus can bring brightness to your mind. Only Jesus I love what Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 through 7 tells us. It says, then I, this is speaking of God, this is speaking of God here. And it says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Listen, your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. But listen to verse 26. And I will give you a new heart. That's what we need today. We need a new heart. Our old heart is stained, our old heart is hard, our old heart is maybe closed off to God, our old heart has some distance, but God says, I want to give you a new heart. He says, I'll give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender and responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you so that you follow my decrees and be careful to obey all my regulations. Listen to me. If you want to live a victorious Christian life, you need God to take your old heart that is stony and stubborn and rebellious, and he needs to give you a new heart that looks and acts and thinks like him. And when we have that new heart there is hope but the only cure to that is Jesus I can't give you a new heart you can't wake up one morning and say I want a new heart only Jesus can give us a new heart here's what I want to tell you today you may have come into this room struggling with sin 
You may have come into this room today, and I jokingly said, if you, when I said think about one sin, you thought of 12. You might have come into this room living in deep, continual sin. You might be watching online living in deep, continual sin. But I want to tell you today, you can turn the TV off victorious, or you can walk out of this room victorious. But the answer is Jesus. You can defeat sin, but the answer is always Jesus. That's the second thing I want you to hear today. The answer is always Jesus. The key to the future that God has for us is Jesus. The key to defeating the deepest, darkest sin that you have in your life, the key to that one sin that you don't want anybody to know about is not self-help. It's not church. It's not your pastor. It's not a worship song. The key to that deepest, darkest secret in your life is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. But more specifically even than that, I think, please hear me, I think we teach that, that Jesus is the answer, and we get people to say yes to Jesus, but somehow we leave it there. No, the key to victorious Christian life is not simply saying yes to Jesus, but you've got to allow him to inhabit your heart. You've got to allow Jesus to dwell, and that's what Paul is even speaking of in the book of Ephesians. We've got to allow Jesus to inhabit our heart through his spirit that is at work within us as believers. We need Jesus to inhabit our hearts so the Holy Spirit can do what he wants to do. Listen to me. Your mind will never get right if your heart isn't right. Listen to me. Your behavior will never change if your heart isn't right. Yes, Jesus is the answer, but like Paul's telling us, if you want to live a victorious Christian life, you've got to put some skin in the game. You, we, have got some work to do. So in Ephesians 4, 17 through 19, Paul paints a grim picture of what our life looks like without Jesus. He says, hey, don't be like this. But in verse 20 through 24, he begins to tell us how to defeat sin. Let's listen to it today. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, verse 22, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and desire and deception. Instead, verse 23, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Destiny Church, I want to say something to you today. I want those of you that are listening online to hear this. Uh, and you buy, when I first say it, you're going to think, no, Pastor Chad, I think you're missing it. But I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you something. The goal of our lives is not to avoid sin. What do you mean, Pastor Chad? The goal of my life is not to avoid sin. The goal of my life is to fall in love with Jesus. The goal of my life is to enjoy Jesus. That's the goal. God didn't send Jesus into the world so that man could simply avoid sin. God sent Jesus to die for us, to forgive us of our sins. Why? So he could be in relationship with us. The goal of us as believers is not to avoid sin. We want to do that, yes. But the goal for me as a believer is to fall in love with Jesus. The answer to defeating sin is not thinking, I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. It's like thinking about a pink elephant in the room. Everybody right now, don't think about a pink elephant. No, don't think about it. You tell somebody, don't think about something, they're going to think about that. Listen, the goal in life is not, hey, I've got to defeat sin. No, the goal is fall in love with Jesus. And when I fall in love with Jesus and my heart begins to change, I begin to find that it's easier to defeat sin. Why? Because I don't want to hurt Jesus. 
It's like when I first get married or when you first fall in love with somebody. Before I fell in love with Tasha, you might date other people. You might be with other people. But the moment I say yes to her and she has my heart, I don't want to do anything to hurt her. Why? Because I love her. I don't sit here every day and think, don't cheat, don't cheat, don't cheat. I never think about cheating because I love her. It's the same with Jesus. I don't have to think every day, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. I just live my life, and yes, things come in, and I'm like, oh, I messed up. But in that moment, I say, Jesus, forgive me. Why? Because I love him. The goal is not to avoid sin. The goal is to fall in love with Jesus. And the more I fall in love with him, and the more I allow him to change my heart, the easier it is for me to defeat sin. Hello, are we getting it? Anybody hear me today? As Jesus changes your heart, your heart's desire changes and it becomes easier to defeat sin the problem here's what i've discovered the problem with the church is we say yes so we can go to heaven but we'd never truly give jesus our heart the answer is jesus but i've got to give jesus my heart notice also i didn't say the goal is to gain as much information as i can about jesus the pharisees they had plenty of information about jesus the goal is not to avoid sin. The goal is not to gain information about Jesus. The goal is to fall in love with Jesus. Let me say it this way. Let me tell you, I want you to write this down. I'm going to tell you how to defeat sin. All ready? Everybody ready to defeat sin? I'm going to tell you how to do it. Focus on getting closer to Jesus. And as you focus on getting closer to Jesus, the less you will find yourself controlled by your sinful lusts and your sinful desires. Let me say it another way. The more you focus on Jesus, the less you're going to think about the pink elephant in the room called sin. Focus on Jesus. Do not, do not make not trying to sin your goal. Make falling in love with Jesus your goal. Let me say it again. Don't make not sinning your goal. Make falling in love with Jesus your goal. So in closing today, if Jesus is the solution and I find myself dealing with sin and I find myself kind of having some distance between me and God, then I need to ask some questions concerning Jesus. Number one, the first question I want to ask myself is, do I know Jesus? If Jesus is the answer, do I know that answer? Do I know him? Ephesians 4.20 says, but isn't that what you learned about Jesus? Do I know Jesus? Do you know him? Have you asked him into your heart? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you acknowledged that you're a sinner? Have you confessed that sin? Do you know Jesus? Second question we have to ask ourselves, if we know him, then we need to progress in our questions, in our, in, our, in our thinking. We need to ask this, am I growing in Christ? Am I growing in Jesus? Do I know him, number one, but now am I growing? Ephesians 4, 21, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Listen to me, are you growing in your walk with the Lord? Are you spending time in the Word? Are you spending time in prayer? Are you spending time in worship? Are you going to church? Are you faithfully serving the body? This is the things we see that Paul is talking about in the book of Ephesians. Are we doing those things? Am I growing in my faith? Let me say it this way. Am I bearing fruit of being a Christian? Am I bearing fruit? Third question you need to ask yourself when I close. The third question, am I letting go of the old? And am I replacing with a new lifestyle that leads me toward Jesus? Ephesians 4.22, Paul said, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and desire. I think this is probably the most important question outside of do I know Jesus 
this is probably the most important question we need to ask ourselves as Christians. Am I getting rid of the old and replacing it with the new? Am I changing? Am I becoming more like Jesus? Am I becoming different? Here's what I, here's what I want you to think about. Is my life today as a Christian any different? Is my thinking different? Are my actions different? Is my lifestyle different than before Jesus? Have I changed? Have I replaced the old with the new? Is it leading me toward Jesus? If the world looks at you, can they tell that you're different? That's a question that we really need to ask ourselves. We were talking about it in staff this week, and my dad brought up some great revolution from the scholar Justin Bieber. But he talked about, before he came to Christ, one of the reasons he struggled with coming to Christ is because of Christians. Because they weren't any different. Mahatma Gandhi, he did say, I love your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. Are you different? Are you looking more like Jesus, or do you look like the world? That leads me to the last verses I want to share with you today. Verse 23 and 24, Paul sums it up if you want to defeat sin in your life, and if you want to live a Christian life, a victorious Christian life, he says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, righteous and holy. Ask yourself, has He given me a new heart and a new spirit? Has He replaced the old, stubborn, hard, rebellious heart and give me something soft and brand new? Or do I still have a hard heart? Is my mind still twisted? Am I still losing control of my sin? If so, today we need to repent of that. Ephesians, Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28 again, but this time I want to read it to you from the message translation. He says, for here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pour water over you, and I'm going to scrub you clean. And I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit in you. I'm going to remove this. Who's saying this? God. I'm going to remove the stone heart from your body. And I'm going to replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you, and I'll make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. You'll be my people, and I'll be your God. Destiny Church, that's my prayer for us today. My prayer for us today that we would become like Jesus. That he would replace our old heart and become a soft heart. Let's pray. Jesus, that's my prayer for us today, that we would become more like you. That we would, that we would do what you called us to do. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I want everybody to stand to your feet with me today. I'm not going to give a specific altar call. We're going to sing a song. We're going to close with this. But at the very beginning of this message, I ask you, think about that one sin. I want all of us in this room today, all of us have things that we struggle with in our life. And so I'm not going to ask you to come forward and to pray. I'm going to ask you to do what you want. If you want to come forward and kneel, you can. If you want to 
deal with it in your seat, you can. I just want us today in this room to deal with that sin and begin to hand it over to the Lord. The answer is always Jesus. The answer is always Jesus. So as we sing this song today, would you give that one sin, that two, that, those two sins, those three sins, would you hand them over to Jesus? Let's do that today. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.